Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Podcast IRL will be live in Miami with Patrick Bet David, Donald Trump Jr., Matt Gates, and Luke Rudkowski. Join us there. Get your tickets by clicking the link in the description below or by going to TimCast.com. Donald Trump Jr.'s X account has been hacked, and he is posting a whole bunch of silly nonsense, which is quite hilarious. And that's it. That's the general idea of the story here. I will show you the tweets. I will only read some of them because they're quite hilarious. But there's a bigger story at play, and that is the beginnings of the 2024 election cycle and how you will be manipulated. These things are only just getting started. Now, look, people are always trying to hack someone else's account or something like this. So I don't think this is too unique, to be honest. Somehow Donald Trump Jr.'s X account got taken over. Who knows? Could have been a phishing attack for those that aren't familiar Basically, they send you an email that appears to come from a company or for even from a friend because they can spoof. This is where the spoofing is where they take the identity of someone else. They can actually make it seem like you received the email from Google, from X, from your friend. They can pick any email address they want. So maybe it was just a phishing attack, but it is quite funny. But it brings me into the bigger conversation about misinformation, disinformation, and how they are going to start manipulating your mind as you enter 2024. It's going to be interesting because while we may joke about Donald Trump Jr.'s X account being hacked, these these posts, I want to say tweets, I, I want to say tweets so bad. These posts are so over the top. We know for a fact that Don Jr. was hacked. But imagine this. Imagine someone took over his account and then actually posted something serious and believable, like that he'd been diagnosed with a disease or that he was indicted over uh, charges related to January 6th, this can send shockwaves through the American economy and political ecosystem and can cost people money, could destroy lives. Fortunately, it seems that whoever hacked uh, Donji's account is like just some young person doing something stupid. So sure, whatever. They're posting about nonsense. But we did see this back in the day with Barack Obama and the AP. The Associated Press got hacked, probably probably because some low-level uh, employee there stupidly clicked the link because there's nothing you can do about stupid people wanting to click those links. You can tell them 50 million times, they'll still click it. Oh, I'd love to talk about phishing. But uh, these hackers, we believe it was, this, I believe it was the Syrian Electronic Army, posted that Obama had been injured in, a, in an attack on the White House, and this caused a massive stock drop-off, which did not recover. There was a drop off around 10% or so, and then the market recovered only around 8% because there were people who had 
you know, preset sell orders in the event of an economic collapse or in the event of a price dropping to a certain amount, triggered, sold, didn't buy back in, has huge, huge ramifications. A massive drop off like that in the market means you had in the blink of an eye, people lose millions of dollars and go into the poorhouse and people gain millions of dollars. It's really nuts. And that money change, it didn't get reversed. That's the scary reality of how these systems operate. But let's talk about where we're currently at, because the conversation around where and how you are going to be manipulated and misled. Oh, it is. It is thick. It is juicy. And I can't wait to talk about Hunter Biden and the spies who lied, the intelligence assets, former agents and officials who lied and claimed that Hunter Biden's laptop wasn't real because they were trying to trick you. Now, that's stage one. That's the entry level manipulation when they just lie. Hmm. But imagine now the power of AI. And I've got some examples for you. I'm going to make some of your favorite personalities say what I want them to say. Here's a story from the New York Post. Trump Jr.'s ex account hacked. Claims father died. Oh, now you've got memes popping up saying, don't care, still voting Trump. Zombie Trump, if it's true. Trump Jr.'s ex account was hacked early Wednesday, sending a series of offensive tweets, including a sickening one falsely announcing the death of his dad, former President Donald Trump. I'm sad to announce my father, Donald Trump, has passed away. I will be running for president in 2024, read the first message from Don Jr.'s account at 8.25 a.m. A series of obviously hacked messages quickly followed, including an inflammatory one saying that North Korea is about to get smoked. And another pretending to show Don Jr. saying he had some interesting messages with Jeffrey Epstein more than four years after Epstein died. Proving he was still alive, the former president sent an unrelated message on, on his own ex-rival Truth more than 30 minutes after the fake death announcement. That's the big news. Uh, I can, I, viewer discretion, beware. I'll show you some of these, uh, some of these posts. But first, Eric Trump said, I don't want Donald Trump Jr. to get his account back. This is all too entertaining. Well, it's fun to be funny. And I guess Donald Trump Jr.'s profile was changed to a CD icon. It's all fun and games when you get lucky. And Donald Trump Jr. is lucky, in my opinion, that he got hacked by people who are just goofing off and posting silly nonsense. Do we have yeah, here we go. Here's one of the, the fake posts. Trump Jr. said, I'm sad to announce the death of my father. We read this one. Raheem Kassam says, I've confirmed this account has been hacked. The statement below is untrue, nor are subsequent tweets from this account. We'll keep you posted. There are a lot of other ones that seem to be silly tweeting at uh, uh, some other personalities. Presumably, the hacker is a young person, maybe in their 20s. And, and, and it's really, really funny about how, how you can easily identify the age of these people. Uh, I don't I wonder if they're too young to know or understand that their their perception, their uh, their matters of interest for them are generation specific. Like when you get older, you start to realize this more and more. Not everybody realizes it. Some people realize it very early on. I think older people totally get it because you got that quote from Abe Simpson where he's like, I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. And now what it is is scary and it'll happen to you, too. It's the famous quote. You get older, you realize what is it doesn't, you know, doesn't matter. But times are changing. They, they definitely are changing. And now what, what used to happen back in the day is that mass media, major record labels and television were trying to cater to the largest market, which is young people, because people have more kids. Isn't it funny how that works? If there are 100 adults and they each have three kids, hey, guess what? You're going to have 150 kids. Isn't that how it works? So or, or, or actually, that's yeah, that's that's. Wait, am I way off? 100 adults. I'm sorry. Yes. 
100 adults. They're each going to eat two of them. So you have 50 sets of parents, each having three kids, 150 kids. There you go. And so for these markets, they're, they're saying like, we want to target the larger group and parents will just support their kids. But things are different now because of the internet, there's a market for every generation. So the people who are taking over his account, we can very easily identify what age group you're in. Unless, of course, the hackers are very smart and did this to try and obfuscate how old they really are. But let's talk about where we are. The big news, the actual news this morning outside of the hacking from Politico is that Biden's campaign set to counterpunch on misinformation. With social media platforms pulling back from policing false political claims and Trump gearing up for a fight, Biden's 2024 campaign is rebooting its online defenses. These people are evil. Sorry. And, you know, I hear this stuff all the time where people are like, it's getting dangerous out there when they start referring to everybody as evil. I'm sorry. I've got no answers for you. When the Biden campaign and intelligence agencies lie to you for political power because they believe their moral structures are true and just, it's evil. They do evil things for their own ends. Sorry, there's, no, there's nothing else. They'll accuse us of being evil. They're political enemies. I don't mean the right or conservatives. It's really funny. You say you, you, you say something like this, and then immediately the left starts trying to say, aha, he admits it. He's saying us and we. I'm talking about the anti-establishment, which includes people like Jimmy Dore and uh, other prominent left and liberal personalities that believe in truth. But this is the nature of, of where we are. They're evil. I'll give you an example. Joe Biggs, two decades in prison. What did he do? They said that he knocked down a barricade. So he goes, he goes to prison for two decades. That's it. Seriously. They say, we don't know exactly uh, when I have one of these individuals on the culture war show. They say, I don't, I don't follow the stories, but it seems to be generally a good thing. That's the banality of evil. That they would allow such an injustice because it supports their, their general mission. They treat you like trash, like a number, like a statistic. Your individual rights and liberties are meaningless. They're evil. That is evil. Sorry. It's like the Borg in Star Trek. The Borg's the bad guy. For those that aren't familiar with Star Trek, it's the collective, a hive mind of all of these beings that just march in lockstep, don't care, don't think, don't communicate, controlled by the hive queen. And they're evil. They're bad guys. Individual liberty is what we are here to protect and support. But more importantly, let me break down for you the simplicity of why they are evil beyond a reasonable doubt. Aside from the fact that they would sacrifice an individual and all of these individuals on bogus trumped up charges and then defend their own when they commit atrocities. You may be asking, but why is meritocracy and individual liberty good? And why is collectivism bad? Well, the reality is some collectivism is fine, some. But the truth is decentralization is the path towards security, not centralization. Command economies have failed every time they've been tried, for the most part. These communist countries, what do they do? They say, we're going to control the economy. But unfortunately, a committee of 12 or 24 or even five or even one, they cannot accurately predict and control for how a market needs to operate among large populations, in which case you must protect the individual liberties so that we as humans can adapt rapidly. That is to say, the people who would lie, cheat and steal. And uh, how about this one? How about this one? Here's a story from the New York Post. Spies who lie. 51 intelligence experts refuse to apologize for discrediting true Hunter Biden story. This is from March of 2022. You see, these people thought we are true, correct and good. And our way is the only way. And Trump is bad. 
Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout fastgrowingtrees.com code pool offer is valid for a limited time terms and conditions may apply this centralization will lead us to our demise because what will happen is you will have a singular group of individuals of a singular ideology they will cut out anyone who believes anything different and then what happens the homogenization of thought results in the collapse when a crisis emerges. To a hammer, everything looks like a nail. When we are confronted on all sides by international conflict and the collapse of our economy, what happens? Well, in a truly decentralized system, you will have different networks of the smartest people working to solve and adapt to these problems. Some will fail, some will collapse, some will succeed. Eventually, the ideas that are good expand and explode and then become the way forward. That is how we survive. If you centralize all authority to a single group and a conflict emerges, they will not see it any other way. They will enact their singular plan based on their limited perspective. And when they fail, we all do. That's the failures of centralized systems. They collapse. The same is true for communism versus capitalism. Why do we have 87 different brands of peanut butter and the Soviet Union had none? Because they could not accurately control for how an economy should operate, what people want at any given time, and more importantly, arbitrage. It's really fascinating. We were talking about that. I, I was talking about, with, talking about this with uh, uh, Jeff Younger when he was on the, uh, the Culture War show. After the show, we were talking about it. And he basically said <clears throat> it allowed investment and the movement of goods into areas where they were more needed, where they were needed more. And that solved a lot of the food crises, people trying to profit off of trade because it was more valuable to sell food in certain areas. They started making these bets and it worked decentralization, a bunch of different people. So this is the challenge of, com of combating this evil. The Biden campaign, its intelligence agencies and assets seek to control the narrative, but that will result in our failures. You wonder why it is the American system is so broken and fractured and nonsensical, why there's conflict and crisis and we're on the verge of war. It's because a very small group of people, the, the Democratic establishment elites and their, and their uh, uniparty Republican allies, control the machine without any interference. And they won't relinquish power. I mean, come on, Mitch McConnell freezing, Dianne Feinstein being taken out for, for medical issues, signing, signing away her power of attorney to her daughter. Joe Biden going, our institutions, just muttering and sputtering. They won't give up their power to anyone. They have centralized it. They will not stop. Now, Joe Biden, according to Democrats, is not long for this world. I, 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 it's a horrible thing to say, but I don't think it's an unreasonable assessment, considering that Joe Biden is 80. He's past the average life expectancy. But where we currently are is you have people 
associated with the Democratic Party and the Republican establishment who want to control everything indefinitely. And you can't. You have to let go. You have to let various ideas compete so that the best one wins. And that was the power of Trump's 2016 campaign memes. You know, the brilliant thing about 4chan 10 years ago, less so today, but very much so in a lot of ways, they, they made all the memes. They really, really did. Because everyone goes to this message board and they would all post memes and the best ones would get shared by everybody. That's meritocracy. The Democrats struggled with this because they had a command structure. A lot of people were wondering why it is the left could not meme. And yeah, they still can't. Not like the right is producing as, uh, as, as many memes as they used to because the machine has shifted. Censorship started taking hold. Censorship especially. The left struggles because you can't post something without approval. If you go think about this, why is that every person on the liberal, every libertarian post post uh, liberal or conservative, they'll come on Timcast IRL, Culture War, any other podcast like that. But leftists don't do it. It is very difficult to book them. Why? Because they don't know what is approved. And if they can't control the flow of the conversation, they put themselves at risk. Whereas on the right, everyone's just sputtering and sputtering out whatever idea they have at the moment and then course correcting to figure out what makes the most sense to to, you know, what will work. And there it is right now. Interactive poll says presidential general election. Marist has Biden from 11 to one. This is crazy. From 2020 to 2023, Emerson Biden from five to Trump with two. Knipiak has Biden down 10 points. CNN has Biden down 12 points. Fox News has Biden down six points. The point is. In 2020, the average polling had Biden at 52 percent and Trump at 43. And as of right now, the average for Trump is 47 to Biden's 46. Trump is tracking to win, and they are desperate to control the narrative and control the machine. So that is Joe Biden's counterpunch on misinformation. My favorite thing about all of this is how they have this government, uh, this ancillary uh, project where they start saying, like, all of these people are spreading misinformation and for which they include my name. Really? I've only ever reported on NewsGuard certified stories, and they called it misinformation. They don't explain to you what they claim is misinformation. It's just their opinion. So you can't file defamation against them because their opinion is their opinion. But then they assert their authority. The Democrats promote it. The corporate Democrat media then comes out and says these individuals are spreading misinformation, and it's all just not true. The reality is I use sources like the New York Post, Politico, the New York Times, The Economist, all certified by NewsGuard. So if, if they're saying I'm spreading misinformation, oof, that doesn't reflect kindly on NewsGuard. So, you know, I, I love to just stamp all over my videos, proudly using only NewsGuard certified sources. Then when they come out and say, yeah, but he's misinformation, I'll be like, wow, I didn't realize NewsGuard was promoting misinformation. That's tough. Sorry, NewsGuard. There's nothing you can do about it. For those not familiar, NewsGuard is a service which certifies news agencies. Timcast.com, for instance, was given a rating of 82 out of 100. And I, uh, I find it laughable. The reason they, they knocked us down by 18 points was because we published stories of Trump quotes. That's it. Trump says X is the story. He did. That's it. And they're like, why didn't you challenge what he said? And I'm like, we're not an analysis or we're not writing, writing analysis and opinion. We're just reporting Trump said a thing. Yeah, well, it was wrong. I, we're not doing a fact check. We're doing a report on Trump gave a speech. Doesn't matter. So I have my issues with NewsGuard. A lot of people do. But this is the establishment machine certification. If they have a problem with the information I'm giving out, 
Blame NewsGuard. I'll say it again. NewsGuard, it's your fault. NewsGuard supports and promotes misinformation. Why? Well, the Election Integrity Partnership says that the stuff I was reporting was fake. (sighs) NewsGuard told me it was a certified organization. What am I supposed to do? The reality is the Election Integrity Partnership is full of it. But ladies and gentlemen, I hope you are ready for just how insane it is going to get. I am so excited for this. The Economist writes, how worried should you be about AI disrupting elections? Okay, you know, part of me, I'm worried a little bit about playing clips like this, but it's been done so often and so many times. I think that, you know, we have to address it and call it out for what it is. And that's why the statement I'm going to play from you from a cloned Jordan Peterson is an absurdity, but it's to make the point. Uh, So hopefully this plays properly and let's see if it works. This is Jordan Peterson talking, and I want you to know that I am voting for Ronald McDonald to be president in 2024. So uh, it it takes me 10 seconds to do this. 10 seconds. How about this one? Uh, I want you to know that Timcast is awesome. Let's see. Let's see. I, I literally just typed that out right now. Here we go. Couple seconds and this is Jordan Peterson talking. And I want you to know that Timcast is awesome. There you go. You ready for what's gonna happen in 2024? You think you are not going to see more and more of this? There's laws being passed saying that they have to label AI content, that they can't show AI generated images. Don't matter. Because it's not it's it's not about the law abiding citizens or the political action committees. It's about the people who want to break the law. And to be fair, it's about Russia and China and Iran and any other American adversary. The discord you are about to see is going to be absolutely insane. Well, here we go. I can do this one in two seconds. Let's try this. Here we go. You ready? Let's see if this one works. I just switched it over. It's something called 11 Labs. I'm clicking generate now. This is Joe Rogan talking, and I want you to know that Timcast is awesome. So... Usually, when you're using these AI voice generators, it takes, how, fa- how long did it take to do that? I typed it in, I clicked to go, it was done. Now imagine what they can do. You don't need, right now, high-tech AI video. They've already got it. It's not that good. There are deep fakes of Joe Biden talking, and the mouth doesn't seem to move right. You, as a younger person, may quickly catch this and be like, mm, with a discerning eye. You think everyone's going to? What about when audio gets released of Donald Trump saying something offensive, but believable? The media reports on it. Suspicious audio emerges of Donald Trump saying thing. How about this? The audio of Donald Trump saying that he's got all these documents. I could have declassified it, but I didn't. Two things can happen. Two things will happen. First, the media reports it saying it's true. And what we understand of this recording is that it may be true. But let me give you some scenarios. Actually, more than two things may happen. And this is what's going to be scary. First, the audio recordings may be real. And it'll come out, it'll be Donald Trump saying something like, look, we got a strategy for how we're going to file lawsuits and win in 2024. And then uh, Trump just says, that's not real. It's a deep fake. But it is real. Let's say real audio comes out about Biden or Trump. And they will just say, you know, this is a deep fake. You're going to get Kareem Jean-Pierre, whoever. And they're going to say, what's this audio of Joe Biden talking to Hunter saying, sign the deal and send me the money? And she's going to say, these are AI, deep faked audio. This is not real. Who's going to believe it? No one will believe it. I will stress that again. If an audio recording came out 
There's already an audio recording of a voicemail of Joe Biden talking, uh, sending a message to Hunter. These voice AI generators, you just upload the video, the audio, and then in 10 seconds, you can change to whatever you want. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. And so what if somebody makes something and, and they will, and it doesn't matter if I say it or not, they will of Joe Biden being like, Hunter, listen to me. This deal has to go through. We need the money. I want my cut. Get it done. And it will be Joe Biden. And the video will get shared and the media will say lies and disinformation, but it won't matter because nobody trusts the media as it is. So you have the first scenario of denial of real, real audio or video because they can just say it's not true. You have the second scenario where people will just manufacture fake audio and then everyone's going to believe it. This is the scary reality of where we are with AI voice generation. People will just make whatever they want and then someone's going to believe it. And that's a scary thought. It just doesn't matter what is true or not. News articles will be written. Suspicious audio shows Trump say a certain thing. They'll either deny it. I think they'll deny everything. And that's how easy it's going to be. Whether it be Trump or Joe Biden, they can manufacture this audio in a matter of seconds. We've already seen the DeSantis campaign do this with photos. And it's, it's remarkable how these, uh, uh, these people defend what DeSantis did. DeSantis's campaign, his war room, put out an ad showing Trump hugging Dr. Fauci. Now, certainly Trump deserves to be criticized for his relationship and how he handled Dr. Fauci. And he's been wishy-washy on this. He deserves no credit uh, when it comes to Fauci. Yet, what did the DeSantis campaign do? They fabricated images through AI generation of Trump hugging Fauci, put it in their ad with the tagline, real Donald, uh, what is it? Real life Trump, I think it said. And then when called out, they smirked and said, shut your mouth. Remarkably, that's right. The DeSantis campaign uh, 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 supporters came out and said, so what? If Ron DeSantis, and I like DeSantis, if his campaign is willing to do this, and I view this as evil, abject evil, the manipulation of the public justification. Oh, but they put out memes about us. They, they claimed that they were in their, in, their, in their right to do this because 
Brusewitz posted a photo of Ron, of Ron DeSantis riding on a rhinoceros, like a clear and obvious, ridiculous Photoshop that wasn't even anywhere close to being real. And they said, because you did that, we can now generate fake images. It's evil. Sorry, it is evil to, to fabricate information, to manipulate people for political power. And I'm not saying nobody's doing it. In politics, everybody lies. So how worried should you be about AI disrupting elections? As worried as you want to be, I guess. But the reality is this. You think it's bad? It's going to be nothing but AI garbage throughout all of 2024. You are going to hear things from Donald Trump. They're going to use it as criminal evidence. Don't be surprised. More importantly, don't be surprised if Donald Trump outright just says those recordings were fake. They're not real. I didn't really say that. Now, let me tell you the final scenario that will freak you out that most people aren't considering. Do you remember every single conversation you've ever had? You don't. Do you remember everything you've ever said on the phone? You don't. You can certainly remember whether or not you said something psychotic or absurd. Like if you were on the phone with a friend and they claimed that you told them the moon was made of cheese, you'll say, what? There's no way I said that. But in many circumstances, there are many in there. There are many circumstances where a person is testifying and presented with audio and they say, I honestly don't remember that conversation. Of course you don't. I can't remember what I said in a phone call with someone uh, three months ago. So here's what comes next. Phone call with Donald Trump. And he says something like, look, it's very important that we get 50,000 votes in these states. We have to do this. That's the margin we lost by, and that's what we'll need to win. Let's say Trump really does say that, a seemingly normal statement. He's talking to someone who handles campaign work, got the vote programs and things like that. He says, we have to get these votes. So get out there and get these people to vote. Someone takes an audio recording of that, uploads it to 11 labs. They then alter the get them to vote. They change a single word. They change something very mundane. Donald Trump then says, listen, we have to we have to fake these votes. We need 50,000 if we're going to win, because that's what we lost by. We need. So get out there and fake these votes. It's an actual conversation Trump has, and they change but a single word. Now what happens is Donald Trump or someone else, they're going to be like, I, rem- I remember when I was talking to this guy. And you're going to say, there's no way I said that. That's got to be fake. And they'll be like, did you place a call at uh, this time? And, and here's the recording. And here's the voicemail. And here's the forensic evidence. And all they have to do is slightly alter a single word. And you're going to be like, I had that conversation. Yes. They're going to say, did you speak with your lawyers and talk about your daughter? Yes, I did. Did you speak about your, your late mother? Yes, I did. Did you talk about infrastructure plans? Yes, I did. Did you talk about voting? Yes, I did. I'd like to play for, for the jury a clip of that recording. And then it's Donald Trump, an actual clip of the recording going like, look, you know, my dad was a good dude. He's a good guy. And he helped me out tremendously. And they're going to say, is this you? Yes, it is. And was the phone call you made? I, I did make that phone call. I'd now like to play for the jury the next 10 seconds of the recording. So we've got to fake these votes. 50,000 is all we need. Get it done. And it's like, I did not say to fake those votes. It's the same recording, sir. You've already said you had this conversation. Why deny it now? What are you going to do? 
Some forensic expert's going to come in and say, I hereby testify it's fake. And then they'll get their forensic expert who says, mm, that looks real to me. You think I'm joking? You think I'm wrong? No, I'm sorry. It's already happened. You see, in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, the prosecution used AI generated images to try to convict Kyle Rittenhouse. This is not an exaggeration. This is a fact that they did. You see, zooming isn't real. When you zoom in on an image, they can't actually create pixels. You can only get rid of them. That's why when you zoom in on like a bitmap image, it becomes granular. Because it's actually just increasing the, <laughs> the, the single pixel. It's like looking at graphics on Mario. Have you Try playing an old game from like Nintendo or Sega on a high definition TV and you're like, ah, looks terrible and blocky. So what happened was they zoomed in. The AI creates pixels based on what it thinks is missing to give you an enlarged image. It's not real. It is AI generated. It is an algorithmic generation. And they said, aha, see, when we zoom in, here's what it looks like. And you know what? The court allowed it. So again, I'll stress this and be warned. They'll do it to you. They'll do it to everyone. They'll say, hey, remember on your show, you said Donald Trump will do a backflip off the you know, stairs and land and whatever. What happens then when they AI generate audio that is 99.9% correct, but then they change a single word? They can do it to anyone. They can do it to you. They can do it to Rogan. They can do it to Trump. They can do it to Biden. And then you'll say, like, I remember having that conversation, but I don't remember saying that. And are you really going to know? Because you can't remember every word ever said. How many, how many speeches have, has Trump given? And who will remember every single one? We've already seen the White House transcripts be edited. Now imagine they edit the audio of it, too, and they say, wrong. Imagine the intelligence agencies just go to the like C-SPAN or whatever, and they say, swap out video A for video B. And they say, you got it. Here's a national security letter. I hope you're prepared. Next segment is coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Shocking video out of Eagle Pass, Texas, shows thousands of illegal immigrants walking into the United States. In fact, in one video, you see what appears to be Border Patrol agents opening the door, opening the gate, counting them out, letting them in, and then closing it. Right now, the breaking news, Eagle Pass mayor signs emergency declaration amid migrant surge, awaits numbers from federal government. Many people are tweeting about Italy, the island of Lampedusa. Right now, some are speculating that around 18,000 illegal immigrants have entered the island of 6,000. Yeah, three to one. The locals are completely overrun and many there are worried. There's protest, there's screaming, there's fighting. It's getting bad. My fear is that on the island of Lampedusa, violence is imminent because already we're seeing videos purportedly of migrants setting up barricades, seizing territory. Locals are screaming. Police are pushing back angry crowds. Now, this is an island. It's not the United States. And while everyone is talking about this, some are overlooking what's happening directly here in the United States. Eagle Pass had several thousand illegal immigrants walk right in, and it is so bad the town of about 28,000 to 30,000 has signed a declaration of emergency. Here's a story from Fox San Antonio. They say, Mayor Rolando Salinas of Eagle Pass today signed an emergency declaration. 
after the new surge of migrants started arriving this weekend. The mayor said he is still waiting to get official numbers from the federal government as to how many have actually crossed. In the meantime, Salinas says if Eagle Pass gets the disaster funding through this declaration, it will go towards reimbursing fire and police resources that had to be used so far. Salinas also stated the city of Eagle Pass would not be opening a shelter, saying we don't have the funds or resources to do that. The city says Mission Border will continue providing help to migrants dropped off at the shelter by Border Patrol after being processed. What is opening is Border Hope's new facility that will be able to take these immigrants, said Salinas during a city council meeting today. What you need to understand is that it appears Border Patrol and this city are facilitating mass migration into into the United States. The declaration of emergency probably is so that they can get federal funding to help facilitate illegal immigration into the United States. It's crazy that we're at this point. I don't even know how to describe it. You've got people in New York up in arms, ABC and uh, New York reporting tensions flare on Staten Island as bus of migrants arrives at senior living facility. Violence on the verge of breaking out. And we don't want this. But for some reason, for some reason, they don't stop. Biden's not doing anything. CBP is helping. They are actively gutting your way of life, your neighborhoods, your systems. Now, I'll make sure it's very clear for everybody. I think everyone in the world should come to the United States. Every single one. All of the immigrants come here, come to the U.S. We are better than the rest. But you got to do it legally. And that means there's going to be a process by which you apply. You come. We grant visas. I am absolutely okay with that. Because when you adequately place people, properly place people and migrants, they flourish. They integrate better with our way of life, our constitution. And we get the best of the best. The smartest, brightest people from other countries coming here will make this country better. What will make it worse? Open borders where various random groups of people from a bunch of different countries come here to extract the resources. And that's why you are seeing outrage in New York City. So by all means, media, say right wing, say whatever you want to say, far right, open borders, blah, blah, blah. When people in New York City are screaming at Ocasio-Cortez, yeah, this is a left and right issue. Regular people in this country, they do not want this. They can't sustain this, but it's okay because there's nothing you can do about it. The people of New York City, all of you, you voted for this. You voted for people like AOC who now spit in your face. Oh, I love that video. It's schadenfreude, really. Y'all voted for her in ridiculous numbers. And then when you're protesting, she outright says, we're going to give them more of your resources. We're going to let them take your jobs. And they're going to have special protected status here in our district. That's what she said to people who were protesting. She yelled over them. And you vote for her. They keep voting for her. Uh, this does not end well. Angry people are not going to just sit by and let this happen. Take a look at this video. Bill Magulin, uh, Malugan, sorry. Mass illegal crossing of well over 1,000 migrants in Eagle Pass, Texas, taking place right now. This is from this morning at 10 a.m. Others telling my producer they just arrived on a train in Mexico. Many still in water crossing massive groups. And there you have it. Nothing will be done to protect your country, to protect your hard work. 
to protect your home from fighting age males. Hola, ¿de dónde son? All just walking in with smiles on their face, spanning and waving, saying, we're coming to your neighborhood, New York. That's where they're going. You know what? That's, that's, that's what you voted for. I'm glad to see the people of New York are upset, but look at this. Yeah, yeah, thumbs up, thumbs up. Amazing. And they don't care. They don't care. These people who are coming here don't care about what you think or what you want. They want what they want. And I don't blame them. I really don't. I mean, to a certain degree, I blame them, right? But I mean this. Of course they want to come to America. America's the best. Look at this. Look at this photo of these people illegally entering the United States. For what purpose do we have borders? For what purpose do we have a state? For what purpose do we have law enforcement if Border Patrol is letting them all come in? You see, these videos out of Lampedusa, they're scary. Very, very scary stuff. You've got thousands of migrants from North Africa coming into this Italian island. And you see locals, it's, it's terrifying, are screaming in anger. I don't know where this goes, but I have to imagine it's going to it will result in violence because it's seemingly what they want. Do you think that your politicians care about you? Let me let me stress this. This is the important message for all of the Democrats, all of you in New York City, all of you in Chicago. Many people in Los Angeles, these big cities. How about this? How about in Martha's Vineyard? Whinging and complaining. How about the view? That's right. The lefty libs on The View said they got to send these migrants somewhere else. Where? Send them where? Here you go. Tensions flare on Staten Island as a bus arrives. Protesters flooded the street outside a former Midland Beach senior living facility Tuesday night, temporarily blocking a bus carrying asylum seekers. I am sick of the lies. Sick of it. They're not Asylum seekers, the press, they lie every single time. A UN report about the migrants coming into Europe. The UN said they are economic migrants. They are coming here for work and for money. But let's uh, let's just simplify everything. Are we overpopulated? The left says yes. Are we producing too much carbon? The left says yes. So what do you think happens if you're seeing a million people come in every year? Are you going to produce more or less carbon? You're going to produce more. More people, more fuel requirements, more air conditioning, more homes, more construction, more, 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 more. And it will strain the local population. This is why people are upset. In New York, they're cutting the budget. Emergency services cut. Repairs cut. Casey Neistat published a video where he's on the sidewalk and he sees a crack and he pushes through it and it crumbles down 20 or so feet into some kind of uh, sub sub level of New York City. And he puts the camera in there. You can see you would just fall straight through. The hole wasn't that big, but it's still scary to see that beneath the sidewalks, you could fall that far down or get stuck. And he says, scary. What if what if what if what if, what if you stepped on it? and Your leg went straight through. Well, we could fix it. Sorry. We're going to be using all of your money and resources from your taxes because New York State doesn't print money. You can argue the federal government does, but New York State is not not doing that. No, they're going to use your tax dollars to help fund the illegal immigrants that are coming in en masse. And you know what? Y'all protesting, you voted for it. 
Let me say that again. You voted for it. Third time, you voted for it. So you get what you vote for. I ain't got no problem with that. That's what you want. That's what you get. Hey, democracy, right? But maybe y'all will start changing your voting habits. I appreciate seeing people protest saying no to this. But I can tell you right now, the information that we're getting suggests it is all going to get worse. Take a look at this story from a few days ago, the Daily Wire. Colony Ridge, the fastest growing development in the U.S., a magnet for illegal immigrants. They are going to generate violent conflict in this country. And uh, yeah, I'll break down for you how using real real world examples. Experts say growing community of illegal immigrants in Texas development invites cartel activity is a national security issue. It is. Here's what we have. A Texas land developer has established a sprawling settlement north of Houston where thousands of illegal immigrants are believed to have settled, raising concerns among experts and elected officials that the development 400 miles in the interior of the United States could become a strategic asset for cartels. Located in Liberty County, Texas, near the small town of Plum Grove, the Colony Ridge development is a sprawling community that, based on analysis of publicly available information, is now over 60 square miles and nearly the size of the nation's capital, D.C. Its population is estimated to be anywhere between 50,000 to 75,000, and it's growing rapidly thanks to a marketing plan targeted at Texas, Texas's Hispanic population. The Daily Wire surveyed the development by helicopter to assess the true extent of its growth. The flight began in the wealthy Woodlands neighborhood, but it was only minutes before the designer homes and pools gave way to half-built homes, dilapidated trailers, and heaps of trash. Houses on the ground fly the flags of foreign countries, and many homes display their addresses on spray-painted pieces of plywood. Many structures, some of which are not hooked up to running water, were under construction, while others were unfinished but didn't appear to be actively getting worked on. Despite what appears to be poor living conditions throughout much of the development, Colony Ridge is exploding. The view from the sky revealed a sprawling labyrinth of roundabouts and endless rows of sidewalks, streets, and empty plots waiting to be developed. And what is this? Colony Ridge, owned and operated by developer William Trey Harris, is rapidly expanding, at least in part due to a financing arrangement that makes it possible for illegal aliens to buy land deep in the heart of Texas. While traditional financing methods require credit ratings and proof of income, Tom Bedsman, A national security fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies told the Daily Wire that buyers at Colony Ridge are able to circumvent the usual requirements, even dodging the need to provide a social security number. Because with a traditional bank loan, you need to be able to show that you have a credit rating and proof of income. Benzman said, adding that buyers at Colony Ridge are asked to pay as little as a few hundred dollars as a down payment. The loan is directly from the developer bypassing traditional mortgages. And while the buyer might pay high interest rates near 15%, it's a great deal for someone with no other option to buy land in this country, Benzman explained. So let's break down what we're seeing. A magnet for illegal immigrants. Why? Cash deals, low down payments, and high interest rates. Let me tell you what this will lead to. I visited Sweden, ah, Sweden, and this was uh, several years ago. I think it's going on, like, what was it now? Six years, six years ago. I went to Sweden for... This story called Last Night in Sweden. Donald Trump gave a speech where he said, you see what's going on last night in Sweden? And everyone said nothing happened last night in Sweden. Trump, of course, was referring to a documentary by Ami Horowitz. I believe it was Ami Horowitz that aired on Fox News. In Sweden, here's what people were seeing. Mass crime. Or I should say crime at a greater degree than they'd ever experienced before in the city of Malmö. 
Of course, what was really happening was that there were some migrants causing a lot of crime. Crime was on the rise. And the city went from one murder the year before to 13, which is not that many relative to, say, Chicago, but shocking to the residents. How could these murders be happening? Now, it was an incorrect assessment that many people were blaming the Afghan and Syrian refugees. The reality is it was the children, for the most part, of Somali refugees. Ah, and here's where it begins. There was a story I was told about Surtalia, where a vehicle drives up with a guy hanging out of the sunroof with a fully automatic rifle unloading on the bank. That's what they told us. Here's what happened. In the 90s, refugees flooded to Sweden. Sweden opened its doors and said, we will bring in the refugees and we are going to put them in a singular place. Most of the refugees went to centralized hubs. Why? They could go wherever they wanted and they chose to be around each other. Why wouldn't you? It's really great when you're traveling abroad and you hear someone speaking North American dialect English or English for that matter. You can communicate. It's fantastic. So if you are coming from Somalia as a refugee and you come into the country and there is a community of people who all speak the same language as you, of course, you will live by them. And this is what happened to a neighborhood called Rinkaby, which has become rife with crime. And many people have warned, do not go there. It's really funny how they desperately try to lie about their problems, but that's the nature of psychotic collectivists. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You see, when these kids grew up in Sweden, but viewed as but were viewed as foreigners, They were detached from the greater of society. They did not view the police as having any authority over them. Doesn't matter. We see elements of this in the United States, of course. But what happens when you bring in people who fly foreign flags and they come and centralize in this area? A recipe for disaster. Why? They're not being properly integrated in a way they can survive. They're not going to be able to make money all just living in this one big community where they pay pay massive interest rates on these loans. There's not going to be industry for them to make a lot of money, and they will struggle to pay their bills. And then we're going to see a mini mortgage crisis. Yeah, when you give out loans to people who don't have cash and don't have jobs and can't legally work, what do you think is going to happen? The economy here will fall into a crisis. It will lead to a a disaster of sorts among this population. And as they are isolated from the rest of of, of the community, society, government, et cetera, they're not going to view outside neighboring communities as having any real authority over them. If the police come in and start telling them what to do, they're going to say, you're not part of this. You have nothing to do with this and we don't care. And thus you will start to see an explosion of violence. I believe that makes the most sense. It's not a guarantee, but I think that's what you should be concerned about. Funny thing happened when I went to Rinkaby. I went during the day. We went right in the heart of the day when most people are there and we encountered a problem. Young men started screaming, yelling threats, and the police warned us if we didn't leave, they could start throwing stones and we better get out now. I asked the officer, should we should leave? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, will you follow us? And he's like, yeah, we'll follow you out. I filmed it all happening. And I had a, a small GoPro. And I said that we were given an escort. The police denied that it was an export, ex, ex, uh, an escort, sorry, uh, despite having told us that we need to leave and saying that they would follow us out for our safety. The media then said it never happened. And I lied, despite the fact that I put out a video proving it really did happen. You see, 
Something funny happens. A journalist then claims Rinkeby's totally safe. Shows up at two in the morning wearing this coat where you can't see and a, and a hood up and stands outside of Rinkeby saying, 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 see, I'm fine. It's the middle of the night. I'm fine. And everyone responded, well, of course, you're going to be safe at the middle of the night in a shopping district. Nobody's there. The businesses are all closed. So how about you go during the day with a camera? The funny thing is, several journalists told me that their reporters had been physically attacked in this location for the same reasons that I've explained. And then I said, why don't you run that story? And they say, who cares? And I say, I don't understand why you're acting like I'm saying something crazy when you're telling me this is it's already been reported by you that it's happened to your own journalists. One photographer got punched in the face because it's all one big scam to cover up their problems, to pretend like it's not happening because the people want solutions to this. They don't want it to get worse. And so this is where we're currently at. A declaration of emergency in Eagle Pass. Why? Well, because they want more money and funding to illegally bring in these non-citizens to give them your stuff. Huh. That's it. I saw a great tweet. It said the strategy today is not to fix the problem. It is to get so rich that the problems don't apply to you. And that's that's the reality. We talk about the AI revolution, the AI apocalypse. And I got to tell you, my friends, we are in for something dark. Because I've predicted uh, it's a, a, the probability of the investor economy. We had a manufa- we, we had a, a labor economy, manufacturing economy, a service economy now, where no one there, there was a lot of questions about a service sector economy. Could people re- could there be an economy based on people just providing services but not producing anything? Yeah, you can. We have an influencer economy where the more eyeballs you get, the more money you make, and another component will be added due to automation. As Taco Bell, McDonald's, and other restaurants switch from regular people working the jobs to machines doing it all, and you can. They've already got machines that can make a McDonald's burger faster and better and more accurate than the average McDonald's worker. You can order from a kiosk. It'll make it right there on the spot, deliver right to you. You don't need a person. So if nobody's working here, what'll happen? People will start investing, and they'll make money off of their dividends. So you won't have employees at McDonald's. You'll have investors in McDonald's through apps like Robinhood. It'll become so easy to invest that people will be like, yeah, I make like, you know, X amount of dollars every month. Here are the companies that I I support because it's all automated. Labor costs will be low. Dividends will be high. But this means that poor people will be excised. It will be an economy for the ultra wealthy. And that's the race everyone's engaged in right now. Yes, let the illegal immigrants come in and they will gut the system and impoverish more people. What's happening is a flood, an economic flood. And as the waters rise and wash the poor and the working class away, the wealthier individuals can climb higher and higher and higher, exploiting the crisis and then eventually create a two tier class system, which we basically already have. We know that if you're super rich, fines mean nothing to you. Fifty dollar parking ticket. That's just the cost of parking. And if you're poor, it can destroy your life. They'll put a boot on your car. You can't go to work anymore. You get pinned down. If you're rich, the bank gives you money. Yeah. And if you're poor, they charge you money. I despise how that system works. You put a million bucks in the bank right now. What are we looking at? A lot of these banks are doing 5% because interest rates. 5%. That's amazing. That somebody would get $50,000 per year just because they have. One million dollars. Isn't that crazy? And you, 
you work to make $40,000 a year working your hands to the bone. A rich person who just has that money doesn't have to work at all. Now, don't get me wrong. Inflation is ripping things apart. So you can't just live off a million bucks in a, in a savings account, but you can adequately invest it. And the truth is now, as it's been for a very long time, if you are rich, it's what I would refer to as breaking the barrier. You make so much money that you will never be poor, that all the labor of everyone else will come to you for free. And it's true. Think about it this way. Let's say uh, you uh, develop a, an app. You know, you're, you're in college, you're 24. You make an app. And then uh, it gets a bunch of users. And then Microsoft comes along and says, this is a really, really great app. We want it. We want you out. We want to own it. All the IP. $5 million cash deal on the spot. What do you say? And you're thinking like, I just made one app. I'll sell it. No problem. So you do. You're then given $5 million for which you got to pay taxes. And you end up with like 3.2 or something. $3.2 million. You put it in a series of money market accounts, savings accounts, not even proper financial investment. Just like literally, I'm going to put it in an account. Apple's got 4%. Goldman's got 4%. You can even do, uh, uh, there's uh, stock accounts that uh, I think Robinhood goes with like 5% or something or 4.5. You've got, um, you, uh, what, is, what, is, what is the bank? Uh, I can't remember the name of the bank, but there's like 5%. Let's say you put $3 million split across all these accounts at 5%. You now make $150,000 per year not doing anything. You don't got to work. It's free stuff. Meanwhile, a farmer is working his hands to the bone to produce food and then puts it, sells it in the market. And you wake up at noon, get up, check your accounts and say, oh, my interest got paid. You know, what, 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 what are you pulling in with 150K? You're pulling in about 11,000 per month. You look end of the month. Eleven or $12,000 comes in. You didn't do any work. You sat around playing video games all day. And that's the economy today. How many of you are working your hands to the bone? And how many people have gotten to that point by breaking the barrier, as I would call it, the barrier by which you no longer have to work and you're independently wealthy? There's not that many millionaires. This is not a very, very common thing. My point is this. This migrant crisis will exacerbate this. It will make it so that you struggle more and more and more, and you will not reach the top. It will isolate those who are already wealthy and make them wealthier. More mouths to feed, more work to be done, more control. You decentralize the power, the votes, the authority of the working class, and the wealthier maintain more. The more there are at the bottom fighting over what scraps they have, the less likely they are to be competing with you at the top. This is the crisis we are facing. And that's why I think people need to pay attention to it. But, you know, the one thing I'll just say is it is despicable to see these border guards opening the doors and saying, come on in. We don't care about this country. I say that's a seditious conspiracy. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. I uh, said this before. My favorite member of Congress is Matt Gates. Now, I don't know if this motion to remove Kevin McCarthy is real or whether it really came from Matt Gates, but the reporting is a motion by rep Matt Gates to remove Kevin McCarthy as speaker is found in Capitol bathroom. You'll love it. You see, right now, there are a lot of concerns and questions about government spending and a government funding bill. Many individuals are saying the Republicans have the House. All they need to do is say, yo, we're defunding the FBI and the NSA and the CIA, et cetera, et cetera. 
maybe not even be so extreme as to just abolish, but take away their funding after we are watching these lopsided investigations and say, nah, you want to play politics? We cut your budget. Instead, yeah, you were getting some stuff. You know, we're, 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 Democrats are opposed to the whole thing. You got a dozen or so, uh, I think about a dozen Republican holdouts. You get some stuff in terms of budget cuts, like 8%, but it's not enough. And so there are questions about whether or not Kevin McCarthy is doing a good enough job. Why have they not moved faster on impeaching Joe Biden? Well, maybe it's strategic. I don't know. But now there is talk that uh, Matt Gates will move to get rid of Kevin McCarthy as speaker. And apparently they found in the bathroom a motion to vacate. But look, anybody could have printed this out to make it seem like Matt Gates did it. We don't really know. I'm just going to go ahead and operate uh, on the assumption that Matt Gates intentionally printed this out and then left it in the bathroom so that somebody would find it as if to send a shot across the bow. McCarthy, we're coming for you if you don't do your job. Here's the story from the Daily Mail. A resolution from Florida Rep Matt Gates seeking to vacate Kevin McCarthy's House speakership seat was discovered in a Capitol Hill bathroom on Wednesday. Journalist Matt Laszlo wrote on X, formerly known as Twitter, that the short motion was found on a baby changing table in a restroom beneath the House floor. He posted images of the single sheet of paper folded in half next to a cup of coffee. The motion was declaring the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives to be vacant and included a draft date of September 15th, 2023 at 11.22 a.m., just three days after Speaker McCarthy announced the opening of the impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. I wonder, I wonder, let's just, just three days after, I wonder for what reason, here, look at this picture, someone's like, they went in the bathroom, they found it, there's a coffee. Did someone accidentally leave this resolution there? When did they leave it? Mm, I don't know, man, I don't believe it. Maybe it was a staffer, for Matt Gates, whoopsie, or maybe they intentionally left it there, hoping somebody would find it, a journalist perhaps, and then word would get around that Matt Gates is doing something. You see, a lot of people have been critical of Matt Gates, saying like, you said you were going to hold McCarthy accountable. When, when they were voting on speaker, you had a bunch of these Republicans being like, no way, and Matt Gates was one of the most vocal. He voted for Donald Trump to be speaker. It was fantastic. And then ultimately, concessions were made, and Matt Gates said, look, if he doesn't do his job, we will remove him. That's the only way he gets in. And now there are many concerns that he's not doing his job. Things aren't working very well and that he's effectively just, you know, throwing a, some red meat here and there, but not actually supporting those who uh, were challenging him in the first place. I, I, I shouldn't say supporting, but actually compromising and working with. Here's the image. Up at up the top, you can see G. 18 Gates slash Gates 194.xml. 118th Congress first session, declaring the office of the Speaker of the House of Representatives to be vacant. In the House of Representatives, Mr. Gates submitted the following resolution, which was referred to by the committee on, and it's blank, resolution, declaring the offer, uh, the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives to be vacant, one, resolved that the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives is hereby declared to be vacant. It just repeats itself several times, but that's all it need be for Kevin, Car Kevin McCarthy to be removed. It is unclear how Gates's resolution ended up in the bathroom and who left it there. Also, I'd like to stress, it's unclear that Gates even made it or his office even made it. It could have been made by anybody. A Democrat could have made it to sow discord in the Republican Party. I don't buy it. It's more likely that Gates made it. 
you know, a lot of people were criticizing him and he said, there's nothing I can do but apologize. And now here comes the, the play. There's this resolution to remove McCarthy. Wasn't really entered. Nothing's really happening. But a lot of people are certainly going to laugh at the idea that McCarthy is making this shot across the bow. McCarthy's office did not respond to a request for comment. The same day McCarthy announced the impeachment inquiry following months of pressure from the far right, Gates warned the speaker launching the probe to appease the right wing will not save him from potential ousting. I've fallen for this mirage before, Gates said Tuesday. Obviously, McCarthy wasn't serious about Mallorca's impeachment. He said at the time when the speaker went down to the southern border to gaslight about attempts to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. The first thing that happened happens is that Kevin McCarthy gets worried that he's going to lose power like he did in January and like he has in recent weeks as I've been mounting pressure on him, Gates noted. And then the second thing he does is indicate that there is some upcoming impeachment or impeachment inquiry. And the reality is to date that has just been the slow boat to China. It hasn't been authentic or sincere or robust. Some claim that there were threats to remove McCarthy if he didn't launch an impeachment. But Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene, a fellow MAGA lawmaker, assured there were no threats against McCarthy. The first impeachment proceedings are set for next Thursday in the House Oversight Committee, which is chaired by Reps James Comer. Uh, Rep. James Comer. Ooh, this is going to be fun, isn't it? Sitting around with another boring impeachment trial, but will be interesting. By launching an inquiry, House investigators are given expanded abilities, including a heightened power to subpoena. The panel has already subpoenaed the bank records for President Biden's son, Hunter, and brother James. There is speculation that the inquiry could result in the subpoena of Joe and Hunter Biden's testimony to Republican House investigators. Should be very, very interesting, to say the least. I certainly hope that this sends a warning to Kevin McCarthy that there's something legitimate. If you don't do what you are supposed to do, supporting the American people, you're out. Unfortunately for us, too many of these Republicans are do nothing, say nothing Republicans. They just want to get elected. They're, it's really interesting. How many of these guys keep their head down, say nothing, are barely ever involved in any of these issues, just pass votes and then carry on? Just another mundane job. Very few stand up, speak up and stand out. And Matt Gates is probably the best uh, member of Congress in Congress um, because he seems to actually respond to what the people expect him to be doing, like a new generation of younger politicians who are actually paying attention to what their voters are thinking and saying and saying, OK, I will act accordingly. I'm here to represent you. Take into account your expertise, of course, as, as an individual, but listen to what the people are telling you. And if the people are telling you sound, logical things and you may disagree, you do what the people want. I guess what I'm trying to say is sometimes people want stupid things. And that's the point of having a representative, someone who can say, I'm sorry, man, if you don't understand why we're voting this way, I will break it down for you. But I can't do that thing. Right. And then sometimes there's a moral question of disagreement, meaning you have the people saying, no, we want X implemented. And you say, well, I don't think X is morally the appropriate thing to do, but it is not me who should be inserting my morality over the will of the people. If there's a practical matter, like people say, we want to fund, you know, spaceships to Mars. And you go, uh, we don't have spaceships to Mars. That money is going to get thrown on the gutter. That's the stopgap benefit. That's the benefit of having a rep. But if people say we want to fund the development of space technology, not necessarily as fantastical as just going to Mars, then you can say like, hey, if the people want me to vote yes on this and we start investing into science and research, then that makes sense. 
That's reasonable. You may disagree on where to spend money. No, I think we should spend it on on this area. No, we should spend it on this area. Well, some disagreements you should defer to your constituents and some you should intervene. That's the point. That's what the founding fathers talked about. Here's a story from time.com about Matt Gates. They say one of McCarthy's most vocal critics, Matt, a uh, rep Matt Gates of Florida has been launching attacks against the speaker for months and has threatened to oust McCarthy from his speakership through a motion to vacate. Their public feud highlights the deep divisions within the GOP as it grapples with the spending fight. You see, and there it is. And now we have this uh, resolution found in a bathroom. You don't say. Gates' critique of the GOP spending plan is centered around the use of a stopgap bill to give them more time, saying, I'm not voting for a continuing resolution. Gates vowed on the House floor on Monday, urging Republicans to pursue single subject spending bills instead. We are approaching the days where we are facing $2 trillion annual deficits on top of a $33 trillion debt. This is unsustainable. And just to continue things with some facial 8% cut over 30 days will lead to no programmatic reform is an insult to the principles we fought for in January. I think what he's saying is, I'd like to talk to him about this personally, that but the, the spending bills should be singular. X for X or X for Y, you know, A for B, et cetera, et cetera. And not just one big thing where it's like sign it or don't. Gates's stance on the spending bill has been controversial among Republicans with McCarthy and his allies countering that refusing to pass a continuing resolution would, would result in a government shutdown and harm national security. Oh, boo hoo. Keep crying about it. I am sick of this busted up machine where we say the system's broken, but the only way to carry on is to maintain the broken elements of the system. You know what this is? Our nation is effectively addicted to heroin. And instead of saying, let's take the pain and the withdrawal and work our way off the addiction, they say, how about we just keep doing it? Eventually you OD. That's the problem. The U.S. government just keeps saying it's broken, but we'll carry on anyway. They kick the can down the road until eventually they kick it off the cliff. It's time for a hard change. So good. Matt Gates, boot him out. See what I care. Shut it all down. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Democrats have launched a new attack ad, a video of a father whose daughter was seriously abused, becomes pregnant. And the doctor says, we'll go to prison if we do anything about it. And then a Republican congressman appears behind him and says, I'm watching you. I love this. And they have the hashtag MAGA is watching you. Okay. well, if in this election, abortion is going to be a big issue, I want to break down some facts as it pertains to Ohio. I know the ad is talking about Pennsylvania and Ohio. They're targeting swing states, important Rust Belt states. Let me play for you this video and uh, you can watch it for yourself. Hashtag MAGA is watching you. Okay. And then we'll break down the current stats on abortion so you can better understand the reality of what the proposals are. Here we go. I can't believe this. My daughter was raped. Let's start it up. Sorry. I can't believe this. My daughter was raped. And you're not going to do anything? I'm sorry. They'll put us all in prison if we do the procedure. He's right. I'm your Republican congressman. We've banned abortion. No exceptions. She's just 12 years old. I'm not letting you destroy her life. I won the last election, so it's my decision. I'm just going to watch your daughter and make sure she doesn't do anything 
illegal. Oh, man, this is just so laughably bad. But hey, man, Democrats thrive on straw man arguments and manipulation in order to get elected. Don't get me wrong. Uniparty Republicans, very much the same. But in this instance, we're talking about literal, logical arguments that need to be had on the issue of abortion as it pertains to these states, especially with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So let's stress this again. First, I just want to say this. This ad, let me, let me, let me show you what, the, what the, the guy says. He says, the November 7th elections in PA and Ohio are the next battleground for reproductive rights. What you're about to see is happening to little girls and women all over our country. Watch the sequel to Republicans in your bedroom. Republicans watching your daughter. Okay, sure. I hope this is a parody, but um, I don't think it is because they're actually fundraising for Act Blue. <laughs> sure. Okay. Obviously, a 12-year-old being raped is a nightmare scenario. And I believe that this is a crime against humanity to target children in this way. And I've long talked about it. I am actually pro-choice as it pertains to many issues, but I do not agree with the modern left. It is not fair to say that Democrats are pro-choice. They are not. They're pro-abortion. I am not pro-abortion. I think abortion is wrong. However, the issue for me, we have to balance the rights of the individual with the rights of the child in womb. And that's a very difficult, if not impossible, moral task. Because the pro-life position is the innocent child did nothing wrong and should not be killed. And this really does infuriate me because it ignores the, the, the rights of the other individual, which is the individual who was raped. You, you cannot force a person onto another person and then say, now you're le- legally obligated for this person. I reject that. There's a story about a man. Uh, a woman got pregnant, gave birth, and said this man was the father. He wasn't. They ordered him to pay child support. He got a DNA test, said, I'm not the dad. And they said, too bad. And it's, 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 not, it's not just one story. I reject the idea that the government can force you to give up your body to someone else. Now, hold on there a minute, my friends. If an adult woman chooses, because minors can't consent, right? So if an adult woman chooses to engage in relations, inviting a child into her womb and becomes pregnant, now there is a question of whether or not abortion should be, would be violating her rights. I don't think it's acceptable to agree to the circumstances where someone becomes dependent upon you and then to immediately cast them out to their death. However, I find myself for the most part in the, there's a reasonable approach to being uh, against abortion, but allowing for it in certain circumstances. I don't like the idea of government control over this to a certain degree, but it's probably why I'd be more in the area where Trump is, which is a compromise, allowing it up to a certain amount of time. But if the baby is viable, meaning it can survive on its own, you can't abort it. That's my personal opinion. And I don't think I'm right morally. I don't know how to answer these questions, but let's take a look at the facts first. States with abortion bans and restrictions with exceptions for health. So uh, health, Ohio, the state's six-week abortion ban with health exception is blocked by a court order. So it's blocked by a court order, meaning, I don't know if that even is, is totally relevant. Life exception. They say this, blocked by a court order. Okay, rape and incest as, as per the commercial. They say, the state's six-week abortion ban is blocked by a court order. It does not contain an exception for rape or incest. And I take issue with that. Now, first, there is no conservative pro-life position 
allowing for uh, an exception for rape or incest. If the conservative position is you can't kill the baby, then it doesn't matter how the baby was conceived. The baby is a life and is guaranteed rights to life. So my argument still ultimately falls on the you can't force a human being to provide their body to another human being. Simply put, sorry, I, I, I will not accept. I cannot morally accept the government coming to a woman, especially a child, and saying you have no choice. There should be an exception. Even though I don't blame the innocent child, I am not. The, the woman is also innocent and you cannot force them to provide their body to someone else just because both are innocent. Sorry, I can't do it. Anyway, I don't want to get comment below. I know it's a, it's a difficult issue, but let's talk about the ad and why it is. Well, I, I, I won't say too much. I'll save it, but let's, let's talk about it. Here we go. Total number of forcible rape cases reported in the United States in 2020 by state. Ohio, 2020, had 5,052 rapes. Horrible. It's absolutely disgusting. And I hope we bring all of those people to justice. And I wish those uh, overwhelmingly women, not all women, I think it's going to be like 80% to 90% female, some men there. So let's just start with the percentage of men that are uh, that are raped. I don't think this is only saying women, right? It's just saying rape in general. So this is uh, likely going to include, I think we have to include that some men here we go. Uh, they say the revived, rev- revised UCR definition of rape is penetration, no matter how slight, of the orifices with any part of the body or object or oral penetration uh, of another person without the consent of the victim. Attempts or assaults to commit are also included. Interesting. Interesting. So this also includes attempts. Really? OK, well, let's just say for the sake of argument, 5,000 is the number. We want to remove a little bit because some may be men who are who are also because it, it does include uh, the potential for, for males to be, although it is substantially more rare. So let's just say, I don't know, 10 percent. Maybe it's not good. Forty five hundred. Let's remove some of the attempts and let's just say outright about five thousand in Ohio specifically. Here's the next uh, bit of data we have. Rape related pregnancy estimates and descriptive characteristics from a national sample of women. The results of this study, this is PubMed, the NIH.gov. They say the national rape related pregnancy rate is 5% per uh, rape among victims. That is to say 5% of victims uh, are, are, uh, do become pregnant based on what they know. Okay. They say in the, I believe it's in the United States, 32,000 pregnancies result from rape each year. It's horrible. Now let's take this in consideration. And here's the uh, abortion reporting for Ohio in 2021. They say, uh, the vast majority of Ohio abortions were reported to have been performed on resident women with 5% were obtained by non-residents. Uh, the number, I believe, what do they have? In 2021, there were 21,813 abortions in Ohio. Okay, this would mean that if we go by the 4,000 number, you know, what? let's not even do it. Let's say the full 5,000. Let's, let's include men too. Let's just say there, let's, let's overestimate. Let's say 10% of women don't report. Let's increase. Let's say 6,000. You go by that number and you go by the national level of pregnancies and we're dealing with, what do we have? 5%. So we're looking at 300 women who had become pregnant due to a rape. Now, how many of those women will seek an abortion? It's an interesting question. Here's another important statistic. 9% of Ohio abortions were performed on girls ages 19 and younger, including 2% on girls under the age of 18. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on there a minute. 
So you're saying when you say 9 percent, 19 and, un, and younger, sounds like you're talking about minors. You're not. They're saying 18 and 19 year olds account for 7 percent and under 18 accounts for 2 percent of their abortions. OK, here we go. Two percent of abortions are under the age of 18. How many rapes, how, how, how many pregnancies are the product of rape? Five percent. So of the 6,000, we overestimate uh, uh, rapes in Ohio, 300 result in pregnancy. Two percent of those will be under the age of 18. The number? Six. Six. Okay. I don't know why Republicans are willing to extend this law over six. You see, here's the issue. A 12 year old girl. I'm sorry, I don't agree with the, the staunch pro-lifers on this one. A 12 year old girl cannot physically help and in and, 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 and a healthy way carry this baby. This is insane. And if there are only six instances of this, these are extreme circumstances. It should not be the basis of a political ad by Democrats. But why would Republicans even give it up to them? Republicans could come out and outright say, we are going to allow an exception, especially this. How about this, Republicans? If you are under the age of 18, there are mo- there's more leeway because it's a compromise. You don't have to say that you are sacrificing your morals. You can say to maximize life. We have to accept certain limitations. It is not an easy question. That's my position. Donald Trump said there's got to be a compromise. And there are many of these absolutists who are like, no, pro-life or nothing. If that was the case, Trump would have lost if people didn't support him. Trump got three Supreme Court justices. They overturned Roe v. Wade. How many babies have been saved in your pro-life estimate? Now, I know it's a horrible thing to say that you would sacrifice these six lives. But me, this is the challenge of utilitarian versus deontological thinking. I don't have the answers. It would would require the state to take an immoral action against a 12-year-old girl who was raped and to take an immoral action in terminating the life. I'm sorry, there's no, I don't have an answer. And that's the problem with this deontological morality of do not, take, do not commit these action, uh, immoral actions against individuals. There are two individuals in question. Who suffers the immoral action? The young girl, I know only six out of all the cases, if we're doing the math, I know it's probably, it's loose math. But a single individual, you cannot, the government cannot effectively pin down Legally, I'm saying and say, you must carry this baby to term, despite the fact you do not choose it. Your body can't handle it and it could cause serious harm to you. That's nuts. The state would also have to sanction the termination of that life, an immoral action against an innocent human life. There is no simple answer here. And that's why I can only defer to. In certain circumstances, we must figure out how we do the best we can. And I do not think subjecting a 12 year old to carrying a forced pregnancy. I'm talking about the rape, not not the the leftist term or the like forced birth. What you need to understand is the left is using this extreme rarity to try and strike at the fact that 21,000 of these abortions take place and 90 plus percent are elective, meaning abortion is contraception. I don't think you can invite someone into your house and then once they settle in, you kick them out and make them homeless. Right. I'll put it this way. Someone has a house and they say, you know, no, 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 get rid of your house. Just come live with me. You'll be fine. And so they do. And then you say, OK, now get out. And like, wait, but I have nowhere to go. Too bad. Yeah, that's that's not acceptable. We have laws saying you can't evict people like that. 
And so in this instance, if a woman chooses to engage in relations that result in pregnancy, you made the choice. You said, please be in me, baby. Or you can take that another way. I'll, I'll simplify this dramatically. The ad I find laughable. It's just so, so silly and pathetic. But why should Republicans open the door to this on some absolutist position? It is not simple. There are immoral actions being taken. Now, you can certainly say ending a life is more immoral than forcing the child to carry this. And very few children will have to do this. It's rare. But now you're talking about utilitarian thinking where you believe the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. It is just not so simple. So I can certainly say the Democrats position is an absurdity and they're arguing the, the, the rarities. But I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers other than perhaps I can uh, present you some information and you can make up your mind. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash Timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out and we'll see you all then. So this is how the media frames it. But when you actually read the story, you're like, oh, it's a little bit different. But we can frame things, too. I I like to play that game. Can I play that game with all of you guys? All right, let's play that game. Here's the story from NBC News. A Batman researcher said gay in a talk to students. When asked to censor himself, he quit. Oh, Oh, I can't believe it. Is that really what happened? No. (laughs) The real story, in all honesty, is A guy was trying to explain, he wanted to give a presentation to students on a co-creator of Batman. He wanted to include in the story that the co-creator's son was homosexual. They said, yeah, please don't do that. And he was like, I'm going to, or I'm not going to do the speech. And they were like, okay, then don't do it. And he's like, okay. And that's the story. He didn't just say gay. They were saying, just don't include that. You don't need to, but let's, let's play some framing games. Let me read the story for you. NBC News reports, Mark Tyler Nobleman was supposed to talk to kids about the secret co-creator of Batman with the aim of inspiring young students in suburban Atlanta's Forsyth County to research and write. Then the school district told him he had to cut a key point from his presentation that the artist he helped rescue from obscurity had a gay son. Rather than acquiesce, he canceled the last of his talks. Okay, we are long past the point where we should be policing people talking about who they love. Nobleman sent a telephone interview. And that's what I'm hoping will happen in this community. All right, let's just pause for a second. And let me ask the obvious question. All right. So if I'm talking about a guy, uh, Dick Cheney, let's talk about Dick Cheney, everybody. Dick Cheney was the vice president of the United States under the George W. Bush administration. He was deeply involved in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, these invasions. And he was heavily criticized by Democrats in the United States. For what purpose would I include that his daughter is a lesbian? Serious question, guys. For what purpose? If I'm going to talk to you about, let's talk about the, the, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, right? They're talking about Batman. Okay. Let's talk about the secret co-creator of those wars, Dick Cheney. Did you know his daughter's a lesbian? For what purpose would you include that information? Now, more importantly, you want to frame things? Okay. Let's frame things. Let me uh, let me frame it for you. Mark Tyler Nobleman was supposed to talk to kids about the secret co-creator of Batman. Then the school district politely asked him not to inform the school children that the son of this artist had sex with other men. He refused and instead canceled his talk. That's the framing. That's the game they play. Now, come on. If you frame it that way, 
people are going to be like, why is he talking to kids about dudes banging each other? Yeah. Now, of course, what they're really saying is that he's gay. But of course, then, if you're talking to school children, they are trying to get you to the point where he explains to minor children what being gay is. What does that have to do with Batman? (laughs) So good. Man, they wonder why we say groomer. State laws restricting talk of sexual orientation and gender identity in schools have proliferated in in recent years. But the clash with noblemen shows schools may be limiting such discussions, even in states like Georgia that haven't officially banned them. Some proponents of the broader laws, giving parents more control over schools, argue they extend to discussions of sex and gender, even if the statutes don't explicitly cover them. Eleven states ban discussions of LGBTQ people in at least some public schools, blah, 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 blah. Oh, they lie. They lie. They lie about everything. Let me slow down for you, Rebecca Hale, via the AP. They t- they, these laws, they say don't talk to kids about sex. That's it. Now, some of them are more specific than that, and they're like gender identity and stuff is included. But the general concept behind this is if you are an adult, you should not be going to minor school children and explaining to them fetishes and kink and sexual activities. Because here's the thing. This, you know, they're pedophiles. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to pull punches. I'm not holding back. The people that are promoting this kind of language in these books, many of these Democrats, they are pedophiles. They want to have sex with children. Sorry, that's the truth. Why? I have a friend. He's a lefty. And uh, he said, why, why are you supporting these don't say gay bills, blah, blah, blah. And I, I love whenever I say this stuff, I get these leftists. Well, Tim doesn't have any leftist friends. He's lying. Oh, shut up. It's so stupid. As if nobody knows another person of different political persuasions. But he was like, why are you supporting it? And I was like, dude, you shouldn't, adults shouldn't be going to kids and explaining butt plugs. And their response was, it's just sex ed. No, it isn't. The creepy, disgusting idea that showing kink and fetish porn stuff to children is sex ed is a lie. Here's the truth. Sex ed? What is it supposed to be? All right, kids, your parents have signed the permission slips. They're they're accepting of you to come into this age appropriate discussion for you. As you enter puberty, your bodies start changing. There you go. Sex ed. I had sex ed when I was a kid. I was uh, how old would I have been here? I think I was 10, 10 years old when they did sex ed. 10 parents had to sign a permission slip. It was a Catholic school. And what they did was the boys were brought into a room and they explained you're changing bodies and reproduction. Then the boys left and the girls came in and they explained, you're changing bodies and reproduction. At no point in the discussion did any of them talk about proper methods for stimulation. That's not sex ed. That's kink. Something else. What these pedophiles are starting to do is they're trying to conflate sexual gratification with sexual reproduction and then use that as justification under sex ed to start grooming children because they're sickos. You see, here's how it begins. First, a man and a woman, they certainly enjoy each other's company in the biblical sense, if you know what I mean. But the knowledge for which we convey to children in schools when it comes to sex ed is the process of reproduction so the kids can learn where do babies come from. Now, these two adults, your mom and your dad, they may enjoy certain activities as they engage in their pleasurable biblical activities. And uh, that's totally separate from the act of reproduction. That's personal, private, between you. Here's what happens then. 
we enter the conversation around gay marriage and they say what two people do in the privacy of their own homes are no their own business. Sure, sort of. That doesn't pertain to like doing heroin or meth, right? What two adults do in the privacy of their own home is their own business. Unless we're talking about drugs and gambling and yeah, you get the point. This argument from the left is a is a is a statement of principle that doesn't actually apply to anything they really believe, because poker would be legalized well before gay marriage if the idea was you can do what you want in the privacy of your own home. No, they say it's about who you love. And you know what? I'm an, I'm for gay marriage from a legal perspective, from a religious perspective. I can certainly understand what Christians are saying. No, this is an Abrahamic institution of our religion and you can't do it. You can't do it in a church. Like I understand. All the, I understand all those arguments, but I do believe legal rights between people is is good and acceptable for a variety of reasons, which uh, I won't elaborate on now. I will just move on to the other point. Because two adult men cannot reproduce. They can't. The argument made by the left is the sex these men have is purely gratification. And if you're going to include their activities, you have to explain to children why. Now, you can explain to kids basic sex ed and say the reason mommies and daddies engage in these practices is to make babies. And then they say, but what about LGBTQ couples? They don't engage in this practice for making babies. Now you're going to have to explain to kids that, no, you don't. Sorry. No, you don't. The reason they do this is because these people live in a different world from everybody, everyone else. Now, they're staunch Christians. Seamus talks about this, that the purpose of sex is reproduction and you get married and do all that stuff. I'm more liberal than that. I get it. People like to feel good. That's why they eat giant chocolate cheesecakes, even though it's not really nourishing you. It's hurting you, but it tastes good. And people engage in adult activities. Sometimes it does not result in the production of a baby. There are certain things people can do well outside of production of a baby. Then there's the extreme leftist view that all of it is just pure gratification. And in fact, you're you're racist for having kids and you're actually making the planet worse because of climate change. So they really don't like the process of making babies, in which case their whole thing is the only point is it feels good. But in these creepy books they present to children. They depict things that can cause physical bodily harm. One book that we actually have talks about consuming human waste, inappropriate, dangerous, harmful. It's no surprise. They say, be body positive. You're big and morbidly obese and on the verge of death. So what? Be you. I saw a funny tweet. It said, I'm pro-choice for my enemies. And I thought it was hilarious. And I'm like, what do you do? Well, of course, for actual conservatives of principle, they say the baby is not my enemy and the baby is the one who suffers. Totally understand that. But there is a certain political reality to the rights that you have over other people and where the lines are drawn. And right now, the left is adamant that they can destroy the minds of their children, sterilize them, abort them and gorge themselves to death. And what do you do? They vote for it. They vote to destroy themselves. The environmental pressure is obvious. It's it's a, it's a natural selection. If conservatives have children and they're more likely to be well-adjusted and successful and liberals don't have kids and gorge themselves to death, the future is plainly obvious. It's conservative. These people are losing. This guy goes running. This man right here, the face you see, he wants to explain to school children a story about men having sex with each other. For what purpose? Don't ask me. I have no idea. But this is not winning. We are winning because parents are saying no. And that's it. We had those students march out of their school in protest over the school, allowing male students to use female bathrooms. Get what go broke. I'll leave it there. 
Next segment is coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.